Are you a grad student and unsure if you want to continue in academia for your career after you graduate? Maybe you've been thinking about going industry, but you don't know what kind of careers out there would be right for you. Well, in today's episode, I'm going to talk about six six-figure career paths for grad students, particularly those in the social sciences, and then we're going to talk about two that I think you should pursue and two that I think you should avoid. Let's dive in. Well, thank you all for coming back to the Grad School Sucks podcast, the show for academics who want to start their career in industry. I am your host, Dr. Matt Carlson. It has been a year. It's been a little over a year since I started podcasting, and a lot of things have changed about the format uh, of the show and how I conduct the show. I even changed the name once and then changed it back when I decided I didn't like it. And when I first started podcasting, I actually heard from someone who'd been podcasting for several years to give yourself 100 episodes before you figure out how you actually want the show to go. And 100 episodes, if you're doing one episode a week, is about two years of podcasting. And so I'm about halfway there. And today I just wanted to reframe the show for you and let you know about the format that I want to use moving forward. Here's my vision for the next year. I want to get back to weekly episodes. I know a few shows ago I talked about wanting to switch to twice a month, but I think weekly is important. That being said, I am going to try to pull back the amount of time that I spend talking in each episode, particularly the solo episodes. I'm going to try to do two or three solo episodes a month, and with each one of those being 10 to 15 minutes long. And then I'm going to try to sprinkle in some interview episodes, probably one or two a month. And both the solo episodes and the interview episodes are going to be there for you as resources to help you getting your first industry job. That's the whole point of this show. How do you get out of grad school and into your first industry job? Let's jump into our show today. Six six-figure careers for grad students, particularly those in the social sciences. The first career I wanna talk about is my own career, and that is the role of data analyst. As a data analyst in industry, you could be doing a number of things, but typically you're gonna be playing with quantitative data, and you're gonna be using programs like R, SQL, or SQL, or Python. This is a great first job, for quantitatively oriented PhDs, and even PhDs who may have emphasized qualitative methods more than quantitative methods. I know several people who have gone on to be data analysts who actually were not as quantitatively oriented in their PhD as they are today. If you know SAS, SPSS, M+, Stata, or any language where you're handling quantitative data and you're creating code of some kind, you can become a data analyst in industry. Data analyst is also a great first step for PhDs to jump to other kinds of career paths, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the show. So for data analysts in the United States, the average salary for entry-level data analyst positions is about $77,000 a year. And that tracks pretty well with what I earned in my first role and what I've heard other people talk about. Now, in senior roles, that's where you can crack six figures, and that's the case for most of these roles that we're going to be talking about today. And the average senior data analyst in the United States is earning about $116,000 a year. 
So that was number one. Let's talk about number two, highly related to number one, and that is data scientist. Now the data scientist role is for those who are quantitative, but also a little more technically inclined. I'm not gonna get into it too much because I don't wanna misspeak because I'm a data analyst, not a data scientist. But from what I've learned, data scientists are more involved with the architecture that goes into handling data. Basically, they prepare data for people like me, data analysts, to analyze directly. So you could be doing anything from data architecture, handling data lakes, creating data pipelines, essentially facilitating the framework that holds data and allowing it to be used by data analysts. You're probably gonna be getting a little more into programming in this role and beyond just simple data analytics. Now, data scientist roles are more difficult to get, but they are very lucrative. On average in the United States, $143,000 a year, and at a senior level, about $200,000 a year. All right, career number three, let's cruise on through. This is a very popular one, UXR, or User Experience Researcher. This is a great role for qualitatively oriented PhDs, and this role really was unknown and really not a thing about 20 years ago, but in the past five or 10 years, it's really surged into prominence. And essentially, a user experience researcher is a person who looks at an app, a website, a product, and they research how a user of that item actually uses it and how to increase the efficiency of that item or change that item so that users can have a better experience using it. You'll hear a lot of these roles in tech-oriented companies because if you think about it, we all have phones and on the apps on those phones, they need feedback on how people are using the app and how to create different kinds of features and change things in the app to make them more efficient. You're gonna be doing a lot of interviews, either individually or in a group. You'll be gathering user feedback. You'll be trying to integrate that feedback and create some next steps for people who are on the development side of that app or product. Now, UX researchers also command a pretty good wage coming in at $110,000 average for an entry level UX researcher and at a senior level, bumping you up to $135,000. All right, career path number four, this is instructional design specialist. This kind of role typically happens in an HR space or a learning development department. And this role essentially creates trainings and courses for people who need to learn how to do something. This is perfect for more teaching oriented PhDs. And you'll see these roles in everything from Facebook to Walmart, because all of these particularly large institutions need to train staff, whether they're existing staff or oncoming staff, on different aspects of doing the job. Also, some companies use these roles to prepare trainings for their clients. Let's say they're gonna be using a particular product and they want to be able to onboard clients effectively this learning development specialist might go in and create trainings for those people to learn how to use whatever the product is that they're buying. Now in the US, these roles start at about 80K and once you hit the senior level, you're looking at about 110K a year. Career path number five, 
I actually combined two for this one, technical and medical writer. Now, this is perfect for PhDs who are more into writing and the actual process of creating prose that explains complex things in a simple way. Technical writers are folks who will take either a product or an app and they will break down how to use that product and app into almost like a user manual. And this can either be for internal purposes, say within a team that's using a specific piece of software or equipment, or it can be for external purposes being given to clients and customers so that they can effectively use whatever product they're buying. Now, medical writers are close to that, but they're obviously more medically trained. For this role, you may be creating trainings or pamphlets or material for medical professionals who are learning how to use a new medical device or are needing to learn some updated happenings in the field. Now, for this role, technical writers are gonna get paid a little bit less than medical writers because medical writing is just more of a specialized space and typically you need some healthcare experience in order to break into it. Technical writers in the US on average started around $76,000 a year with medical writers above them at $89,000 a year, but both of them will hit six figures when they reach the senior level with technical writers right at about $100,000 a year and medical writers right at $120,000 a year. All right, last one for today, it's the consultant. Now, this is kind of a catch-all job, and this may actually not be a W-2, this may be more of a 1099 or contractor role, but the consultant is someone who basically gets to keep the expert status. This can be great for someone who wants to work in the area in which they studied and may not actually want to work in an organization but contract for an organization Consultants in the United States with a PhD tend to make around $95,000 a year at the entry level, and once you hit senior, you'll be making around $129,000. Before I get to the two career paths that I think you should consider and the two career paths that I think you should avoid, I want to tell you about something I've got going on today. For the past six months or so, I've had grad students reach out and ask me a variety of questions. Matt, how do you do LinkedIn? How do you make a resume? How do I even know what kind of a job it is that I'm eligible for? And I understand that there's a lot of information that needs to be digested whenever you're going to jump into your first industry role. Maybe you're graduating soon and you like the idea of going industry, but you just don't even know where to start. That's why I designed the Industry Social Scientist Bootcamp. This bootcamp is an eight-week live course for a small group of grad students in the social sciences who want to get their first industry job. In this course, we'll be covering everything that you need to know, from making a timeline to getting your first industry job, to creating a great LinkedIn profile that actually attracts recruiters, to making a resume that doesn't get dumped in the trash can, to knowing which jobs you are most competitive for, to interviewing skills and salary negotiation once you finally get the job offer. And literally, the first class starts tonight. In two months, the folks who join my course are gonna cruise out the other end and they're gonna be more confident, they're gonna have a community of people around them who all have a similar goal and they're gonna have clarity around what steps they need to take next in their pursuit of their first industry job. If all this sounds great to you, then I want you to sign up for my boot camp. 
I have 10 slots that I designated for this, and six of them have already been taken by grad students, postdocs, and professors. That means there's four left, and the first live meeting of this boot camp happens tonight, the day that this is released. We will be meeting for the next eight weeks on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Again, our first meeting is tonight, the day that this is being released, October 11th. However, I'm going to keep registration open for two weeks in case anyone wants to join after the first session or second session has been conducted. All of our live sessions will be recorded and they'll be available to you instantly if you decide to join after the boot camp is underway. However, on the day of our third meeting, I'll be closing the boot camp and whoever is in is in and whoever is out is out. Again, if you are a grad student, a postdoc, or a professor in the social sciences and you want to get your first industry job in the next 12 months, maybe you're even on the job market right now, then this boot camp is something I made specifically for you. There's four slots left and I want you to consider joining. Click the link in the description of this episode for more information on the boot camp as well as how to join. All right, let's talk about two career paths I think you should consider pursuing and two that I think you should consider avoiding. The first one I think you should consider pursuing is data analyst. And of course, it's my career path. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but I think a data analyst position is great for a variety of reasons. One, there's tons of data analyst openings, and that's going to increasingly continue over the next decade or two. More and more companies are continuing to use data to refine their procedures, understand marketing strategies, and make business decisions. And people like us, folks who've worked with quantitative data, are the perfect people to show up for that job. Now you may be saying, Matt, I don't want to just analyze data forever, and that's totally fine. I understand. A data analyst is actually a great position from which you can jump into many different directions. You can go from data analyst to data scientist, you can go from data analyst to product manager, or you can even go into leadership positions from a data analyst role. It's a great first job for quantitatively oriented PhDs. Now, the second job that I think you should consider is instructional design. And the reason I bring that up is so many people reach out to me and they say, Matt, I don't want to stay in academia, but I love teaching, and it seems like there's just nothing in industry for me. And that's just not the case. Instructional design will be a little bit different than a classroom environment because a lot of it is focused on creating trainings for people that you won't see live. But you get to use those training and teaching skills that you already have, and you get to help someone understand something complex that they might not otherwise ever get. Then there are two jobs that I think you should avoid or potentially avoid. The first one is UX researcher, the user experience researcher role. I know it's amazingly popular. I get a lot of questions about it. The issue is that a lot of these roles are focused in the tech space and tech has been really up and down for the past couple of years. We had a surge in UXR positions in 2021 and 2022 but this year has been really rough. There's been a lot of layoffs, a lot of UXRs are out there without jobs, and frankly, a lot of the job openings that are out there are getting eaten up by people who have experience from tech companies. I have heard people say that they think the UXR job market will bounce back in 2024, 
but that remains to be seen. So I think if you're considering a UXR role, talk to people who are in the space and try to get a feel for what they think about incoming UXRs and maybe some alternative career paths that you could consider. And the second role that I think academics should avoid is consultant. I know several people who've had consultant type roles and they did enjoy it, but the one thing that I've heard consistently is that you may not have great work-life balance because this is a client services oriented role and so you are on the clock to deliver basically whatever is asked of you. I left academia because I felt like I didn't have a great work-life balance and I didn't wanna work all the time after the birth of my son. And frankly, why would I jump out of the frying pan and into the fire by becoming a consultant who was making great money but burning the candle at both ends? For me, it's a job that just doesn't make sense. If I wanted to be a workaholic, I would have stayed in academia. But hey, I know some people are consultants and they love their role. So if that's you and you want to give it all you got, then go for it but I'm probably never going to cross the line into something like a consultant role. So let's review. We talked about six different career paths that will eventually get you to six figures. And most of them are designed for folks in the social sciences, but many people outside of the social sciences get these roles too. The career number one is data analyst. I think it's a great first job for quantitatively oriented PhDs. The second role is data scientist. This is a more complex but related role to data analyst. If you're more into the programming side of things, you may really love this role and you'll make a lot of money. The third role is UXR or user experience researcher. Again, this is a more tech oriented role and you can make a great income. And especially if you're a qualitative person, I think you'll really like this position. But unfortunately, a lot of these jobs have evaporated this year and the job market in 2024 remains to be seen. So stay tuned. The fourth role is instructional design specialist. Again, this is an HR or often learning development oriented role. You'll be creating courses and materials for people, whether internally or externally, to learn how to do something or use an app or onboard in some way. Great for those who love teaching. The fifth role was a combo of technical recruiter and medical recruiter. Again, you're creating written materials to help people understand complex apps and products. And on the medical side, you'll be teaching people about different medical procedures, policies, and new research. And then the last one is consultant. It's great if you want to stay in the expert role, but if you like a good steady work-life balance, probably not the job for you. It's not the job for me. All right, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you for listening. And if you want to join my industry social scientist boot camp, make sure you click the button in the description of this episode, and I will see you all next week.